This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 126-inch. On this week's episode, we interview Scott Barber, the director of This Is Guar, the new Guar documentary featuring Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Welcome back to Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Dave, we got so much great feedback after talking to Joe Krause and hearing all about the Prosthetic Lips Weird Al tribute album over the past two weeks. It's just been so much fun. Yeah, some of our listeners are actually calling for us to make a tribute album. And Dave, you and I, we love that idea. So without further ado, we are pleased to announce... Oh, that sound means we have a message on the 347 Spatula Hotline. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and longtime podcast supporters. Uh, I can't remember what we were talking about before the spatula message noise, but uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. All right, Frank, let's hear the message. Hey, guys. Mike Manick here. I'm sitting in the parking lot after just having left a Cybertronic spree show. If you ever get the chance to see them, do it. They did an amazing job. They didn't play Dare to be Stupid, but they played plenty of other amazing songs and just rocked the place. Honestly, second best performer I've ever seen. Just amazing. Wow, Mike, thank you for that awesome review. We are so happy that you had a great time at that concert. And wow, the Cybertronic Spree are the second best performers that Mike has ever seen. I wonder who's number one. I know, he must have been to a recent Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulers show. Wow, you're right, Dave. That's probably who he was talking about. Now, if you head over to our Facebook group, group.2000inch.com, Mike shared a photo that the band took from the stage, and you can see Mike right in the audience wearing a purple Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast t-shirt. Thank you so much for sharing that picture, Mike. And thank you very much for supporting the podcast by wearing one of our t-shirts to the concert. If you want to get your own Purple Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast t-shirt, you can do so by heading over to shop.2000inch.com. And if you want to check out our interview with Hot Rod and RC from the Cybertronic Spree, you can do so by heading on over to our website and listening to episode 80-inch. Say, Dave, do you have a watch on? Because mine just says that it's time for This Week in Weird Al-Related News! Yeah, I do have a watch. Mine says 32 minutes past 1,800 hours. It's in military time. Well, you might want to get that watch checked, Dave. But hey, I wanted to tell you that our listener and our friend and the designer of the amazing Gill and Chill artwork, Owen Watson, posted on Facebook about a very exciting Weird Al find. With the new updates to the Mac and iPhone iOS, there is a cool update to Apple Music, Apple's flagship music streaming service. 
This new update allows you to listen to what's called spatial audio with Dolby Atmos on select songs and albums. What Owen noticed is that Weird Al's Straight Outta Linwood album is available with Dolby Audio, and more importantly, the Dolby version of Canadian Idiot has a big surprise. Now, much like the concert version of Canadian Idiot, the Dolby version features the cooing, or the coo parts that do not appear on the album version of the song. Bermuda joined in the conversation. He said the Dolby version of Canadian Idiot is called the Great White North Mix, but he couldn't recall why it wasn't on the album. The Great White North is also the name of the series of famous SCTV sketches, of course, about the two Canadian brothers that features the same exact noises. If you want to hear this newly discovered version, you'll need a subscription to Apple Music and you'll need a device capable of listening to spatial audio. So good luck with that. Last week, Weird Al was quoted in an article on Spin.com regarding the 30th anniversary of the release of Nirvana's groundbreaking Nevermind album. Al talks about how his music video for Smells Like Nirvana used the same set, the same janitor and cheerleaders, and even many of the same fans that Nirvana had in their Smells Like Teen Spirit music video. He then goes on to say that when they did the cover for Off the Deep End, which of course is a parody of the Nevermind album cover, they used the same photographer and the same swimming pool. He then cracks a joke about the lawsuit that's been in the news recently suggesting that He should probably sue himself over that album cover. So this is exciting news. At Dice Equilibrium on Instagram just released a brand new video called Bermuda Explains. Yes, the first episode is called The Hernia Wrap. And it is our understanding that more of these are going to be coming out. And of course, Weird Al fans should probably know Dice Equilibrium from her amazing Weird Al mashup videos where she takes interview questions and matches it up with old videos. It's so cool. I wish we could just ask her all about it. Hey, guys, it's me, Dice. Oh, so what do you want to ask me about? Yeah, so Dice, you just launched this new web series called Bermuda Explains. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, sure, sure. So... This is something I've been working on for around a month now, and as you said before, I've been mashing up, making these videos where I mash up interview questions with old footage to give context to, to that old footage. But I kind of reached a point where I finished watching all the interview v- videos that I could find out there, and I still wanted context for certain things, and I found Bermeo's email and I just reached out to him. <laughs> So these videos that I will be releasing, they're each on a specific thing. So like last video I just released is about the hernia wrap. I have much more coming out. I won't spoil any of them, but I have about six more coming out. Wow. Yeah. And um, I have one more special one that Dave may know about because I emailed him before about this. Oh. Dave, remember when I emailed you about your website? <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to spoil it either, but yeah, that, that'll be a really, really fun, exciting episode. I, I'm glad that I could help you out on that. Oh, I appreciate it. For that one, I also interviewed some other people, so that will be exciting. And yeah, every week I'll be releasing a new episode, and um, I hope people like it. Well, I can say I absolutely love the first one, and I cannot wait for the other ones. 
And I've already been a fan of your work. You find some really great obscure interview clips. I don't like a lot of these I haven't even seen before. And I, I feel like I've seen every Weird Al video. Um, and you do a great job of matching it up with, you know, relevant footage. And it's just so great. And, and getting to hear Bermuda tell it in his own words and, and you know, it's it's in complete context is very great. So Dice, we can we can follow you on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dice Equilibrium. Uh, you picked a very, very complicated name for us. Is that your uh, is that your actual name? Where does that name come from? Dice Equilibrium. It's just something I thought of of when I was fifteen, and I didn't know it would turn into something like this. It was probably a bad idea. I should have changed it, but oh well, it's a part of me now. <laughs> well, I know how to spell it now, so I'm not worried. But anyone who's listening, it's D Y S E Q U I L I B. R-I-U-M. It's very Weird Al related, of course. Uh, you're on Instagram, you're yes. on YouTube, you're on TikTok, and I, I see you post stuff on, on uh, Reddit as well. Uh, so there's a lot of great ways to catch your content and uh, a lot of ways to check out Bermuda Explained. So is the next one coming out on Friday? Yes, it is at 7 p.m. Eastern. And you won't give us a little preview of, of, of the title or anything? Okay, I'll give you a hint. It happened in 1991. Okay. <laughs> so, you hardcore fans can figure that one out. <laughs> if anyone figures it out and sends us a message, and they are correct when it, it drops on Friday, Dave, I, I feel like we should send someone a sticker. How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. I'm looking forward to seeing everything Weird Al related that happened in 1991 come through our inbox. <laughs> Incredible. Dice, thank you so much. Thanks for all the work you do for the Weird Al fan community, getting these great videos together. And so excited to catch more of these great Bermuda Explains videos and the special one. I can't wait to see what you and Dave were working on. Oh, no problem. And it's really been a pleasure, like, getting to know the fan community and everything. And, like, these videos I make, they're very self-indulgent, but it's amazing to see how many people out there like them as well. Yeah, there, I mean, there's nothing else quite like it out there. So it's definitely filling a, a, a big need in the community. And it's just so much fun. And, I mean, it looks like some of your videos have gone viral. So I highly recommend people checking out your Instagram, your TikTok, and your YouTube just to catch all the different angles of Dice Equilibrium. Dice, thank you so much for joining us. We'll uh, we'll have to talk to you again sometime soon. Thank you guys for letting me talk on here. All right. Bye. <laughs> A big thank you to Dice Equilibrium. We look forward to more videos and episodes of Bermuda Explains. Now, this is awesome. Our friend, supporter, listener, fellow collector, Weird Al fan, yada, yada, Jason McDonald sent us something pretty stinking majestic. There is a video posted this month by the Grunge YouTube channel called Why You Haven't Heard From Weird Al In A While. And not only does it feature some Weird Al facts, it also mentions our podcast. At about nine minutes into the video, they not only mention our podcast, but they also show our official logo designed by Heather Malone. How cool. The description of the video references that this video comes from an article on grunge.com that was posted way back in May. And yes, that article 
also mentions Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. They say there's a weekly podcast called Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, which has released over 100 episodes worthy of interviews and discussions about Yankovic's life. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000s Weird Al podcast, we want to thank Grunge for the shout out. And we are very honored to be included among all of Al's many other accomplishments. And so after Jason alerted us to this video and article, we were also alerted about it by none other than David Grant. Whoa, 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 whoa. The David Grant? That's right, Dave. The David Grant. All right, just to be sure, we're talking about the same guy here, the David Grant who sometimes goes by Sebastian Shepard. Yep, the David Grant who sometimes goes by Sebastian Shepard. The same David Grant who also does comedy rap under the name MC Choskin? Yes, the same David Grant who also does comedy rap under the name MC Choskin? The David Grant who has a TikTok where he has viral videos, not viral videos, videos with 1,832 views, videos where he's wearing a Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast t-shirt, and saucy videos where he's shirtless? Yes, the David Grant who has a TikTok where he has viral videos, not viral videos, videos with 1,832 views, videos where he's wearing a Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast t-shirt, and saucy videos where he's shirtless. Wow, that is great news that he found that video too. Thank you for sending that to us, David Grant. Now, even if we might have already seen something exciting like that, we always encourage our listeners to send them along to Ethan and me or post them in the Facebook group to ensure that we absolutely do not miss it. Let's reward David Grant for his hard work by following at SEB underscore SHEP on TikTok and visiting wolfinwool.com and merching it up. Well, I can see by the old wristwatch on my arm, it's time for this week in Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West related news. A few weeks back, we mentioned that the Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West teamed up with Swiss composer and guitarist Jurg Kindle for a series of musical collaborations. The third and final collaboration, One Earth, One Ocean, was released last Friday, September 24th, and is available on snd.click slash swissguitar. But that's not all in Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West-related news! BY Music, a California-based record label devoted to new age music, recently signed the 2021 Grammy Award winner for Best New Age Album, our very own Jim Kimo West. Along with the announcement on their Instagram and Facebook, they also announced a brand new single by Jim Kimo West, Blossom, will be released on October 20th. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, congratulations to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West, and we look forward to everything that this pairing will bring. And I can also see by the wristwatch on my arm that it is time for This Week in Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulars Related News. This is a reminder, Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulars will be opening for Eddie Pepitone tonight, that's Wednesday, September 29th at the Hilo in North Adams, Massachusetts. And also a reminder that Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulars will be opening for the Found Footage Festival at the Linda in Albany, New York on Weird Al's 62nd birthday, October 23rd. 
Be sure to follow at Spatulars on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, speaking of Ethan, Christian, and the eligible Spatulars, how was your show last week, Ethan? Well, it, it was a lot of fun. We even premiered our brand new vegan song, and afterwards, we had Wizard Burger for dinner. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound, double-wrapped-in-a-quesadilla, Burrito Burrito, and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com or wizardburger.com and order ahead. Dave, I know you've had Burrito Burrito, but I cannot wait for you to try Wizard Burger. They are pretty stinking majestic. Well, I can see by the old wristwatch on my arm that it is time for this week's interview. Dave and I are thrilled to be welcoming to the podcast. He is the director of This Is Guar, a documentary about the band Guar, featuring none other than Weird Al Yankovic. We're so excited. Please welcome Scott Barber. How's it going, Scott? It's going awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get to talk about the documentary, but also about Weird Al. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> us too. <laughs> Well, I guess let's start with how you got involved with this documentary. Okay. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, this is my second film, uh, my second documentary. First, um, I made a documentary with my childhood friend, Adam Sweeney, um, called The Orange Years. Uh, That's years, Y-E-A-R-S. And it's not about Donald Trump. It's about uh, (laughs) Nickelodeon. (laughs) <laughs> we get that every oh, cool. time we yeah. post people oh, people think that it's like uh it's one of those jokes that you get a million times and we're like oh man it was funny at first now it's like getting really old but uh, but yeah i did a i did that documentary uh that was my first one and i met a lot of really great people doing that um and i had a friend i was kind of thinking what should the next one be what's something else that would be really fun uh, to do a documentary about, and one of my friends uh, knew Guar, knew the guys in Guar. Oh wow! And he, yeah, he taught. He he's in a band. He's a great guy. Uh, he's actually part of the film too. His name is Rocky Moon, and he's in a band called the American Sharks, and they're awesome. And he's also one of the funniest guys uh, I've ever met. Uh, and he was telling me about how he had. Uh, Thanksgiving at Guar's house. And I was like, okay, that's the funniest thing. Like, like that imagery was like so bizarre. And I was like, I gotta know more. And the more I kind of learned about these people, I was fascinated. Like already Guar is this fascinating thing. You know, for people that don't know, they're kind of half rock ro- rock and roll band or maybe one third rock and roll band, one third sci-fi movie, and then one third like, theater <laughs> like it's just crazy um and you know they, they 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 dress up as monsters and they have like dinosaurs and robots and all this stuff on stage and people get their heads cut off and when you go to a guar concert you just get showered with blood like all this fake blood and slime and uh you just look like i mean you look like you've killed somebody yeah. whenever you're done and it's it's a truly amazing experience you know i've, I've seen i'd seen guar before but now you know i filmed probably four or five concerts right in the front and it is just wow. an amazing experience 
But, you know, all that is to say, I was already pretty amazed by them. But then once he started telling me more about them, I was like, man, they're really fascinating. You know, they're not even really a band. They're, they consider themselves more of an art collective. Oh, wow. Really smart dudes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like half the people that are in Guar don't play instruments. Like the guys that make that <laughs> stuff. Really? <laughs> Uh, they're every bit as much a member of the band as, say, the guitar player or the drummer. It's uh, it's pretty wow. cool. Wow. Uh, and they're real smart and real real. They're in on the joke. You know, that's another thing that I think some people don't know about Guar, and that is that uh, it's funny. Right. <laughs> people sometimes <laughs> like, oh, isn't that like Slipknot or something like that? And it's like not really because they're more like Spinal Tap. Like they're yeah a funny band. They're they're a satire of all of the excesses of heavy metal. Um, right. And yeah, I, so my friend, you know, I was looking for another documentary to make after the orange years, the orange years was kind of wrapping up uh, the Nickelodeon movie. And my friend Rocky had been on tour with Guar. And I said, why don't you pitch them? See if you can uh, <laughs> pitch me to make a documentary about them. And uh, he did. And they were all about it. And so that's kind of how I got into it. And a lot of the fantastic producers and camera people that I had met on my first journey with the Nickelodeon movie, uh, I already kind of, I had I had some connections, so to speak, because of that. So I used uh, you know I brought those guys onto this one, and they were able to help me uh, in the areas I could not, such as <laughs> hooking me up with Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a million questions about Weird Al's involvement, but I'm really curious. You know, you, so you said you had seen Guar before. Were you, you went into this whole process as a fan of Guar then, right? Uh, yes and no. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I've always been into rock and roll, heavy metal and punk and stuff like that. Um, so I always knew of Guar. I knew who they were. Um, but it's not like uh, the Guar fans are called Bohabs, and those are people that just live and die by Guar. I wasn't <laughs> that. Okay. <laughs> and I've kind of found, I, I've kind of found that in some ways that helps you. Um, there's a mentor that I have, a really amazing guy called Randall Lobb, and he directed the Ninja Turtles doc and the He-Man doc, and oh, he cool. did a Dark Crystal doc. And that was one thing he always said, you know, if you come across as a fan, you know, you can be a fan, but if you come across as a fan, it's way more difficult to to make the doc because people kind of look at you as you're, you're, you're a fan of mine. And, and I didn't, I did not want this doc to be a Guar fandom doc where the only people that would like it would be Guar fans or even heavy metal fans. I wanted it to be something that just anybody could get into. Even if you never heard of them before, it's something that you would, you would be into because it's such a bonker story. I mean, already it's crazy. They're this weird theatrical troupe that goes from town to town, spraying blood on people. <laughs> They've killed every president, every celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> they're already, you know, they're already crazy and bonkers. But then also like the lives that these guys and gals have lived is crazy. It's like a movie. Like I didn't have to, you know, a lot of times when you do a documentary, you have to find the story and how do you embellish it? How do you make this feel more like a movie with a climax and three acts? Their life already is like that. Like their life <laughs> is freaking bonkers. So yeah, I was a fan, but I wasn't a huge fan. Like I couldn't right. have told you, like I probably could have told you odorous Urungus and Ballsack the Jaws of Death and maybe Beefcake, <laughs> but other than that, like I couldn't have told you like every single member and every single record. Um uh, so yeah, definitely and I never brought that up to the guys too, even though 
especially now I'm a huge, huge Guar fan. I love them, <laughs> but I, I never told the guys that because <laughs> I wanted to keep that level <laughs> right. of professionalism there. <laughs> yeah, I guess at what point in the process did you switch from, you know, just being interested in the band to considering yourself a true Guar fan? I mean, pretty quick. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I went to Richmond um, I went to Richmond, Virginia, and first I just went out there and I kind of made this little mini doc about them because they've had a bunch of people try to do TV projects or documentaries or different things about them because they are so fascinated, fascinating, and they're visually very amazing. So people are always like, oh, I want to do a documentary, and they point a camera at them, and, and then people will be like, be funny, be crazy, be guar. Um, and they wanted to make sure that I was going to put in the work and be able to tell a cool story. So I kind of made this little mini doc first and I got oh, wow. to know them and I was and I was like, man, these guys are like, I, I had to show them that and then they would approve it. And then I got to make the real doc, um, which is understandable. You know, that's, it's their life. It's their career that is somebody's making a documentary on. And like I said, they've, they've had so many bozos try to work with them <laughs> and, and it just went poorly. <laughs> um, and it, 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 I, I fell in love with them pretty quick. They're amazing people. And the story wow. of the band, I was just fascinated by how this thing came about. And I kind of quickly realized, I was like, everything that I'm into is guar. I'm into rock and roll music. I'm into comedy. Uh, I'm into sci-fi. I'm into comic books. I'm into Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's all of that is wrapped up into this one thing called guar. It's like everything I like. And the guys and gals are just amazing people. I mean, they're just really awesome people. I feel really fortunate to to get to know them and, and, and call them friends now. Uh, that's really cool. So without giving away too much of the documentary, what can you tell us about, you know, the formation of Guar? How did this this crazy heavy metal band with these people in costumes all come together? And form. Yeah, just to the abridged version, and we go into this in the dock, is basically there was this really bizarre building in Richmond, Virginia. And Guar could have never happened anywhere but Richmond, Virginia, because it was cool, <laughs> but not too cool. And um, prices were really low. You know, they always say it could have never happened in New York or LA uh, because, you know, to, to make something like Guar work, you need a large area like they basically have this this place in Richmond that um they make their stuff and rehearse it's like a big factory it's like Willy Wonka's wow. chocolate factory it's just this crazy place and you know you need somewhere where rent isn't insane but uh the first uh place that they ever had it was part of this um there was this really crazy building that had milk bottles on the corner and it was an old abandoned dairy where, where they, you know, they made milk and cheese and all that crap back in the 30s, and it was abandoned. And they let kind of like musicians and squatters and artists and bohemians kind of like take up rooms there and work on their art. So like bands would move in and 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 practice with their band in one room, and then maybe somebody else would have like a, a hat shop where they would make hats. And um, <laughs> wow. there was this guy named... Yeah, it, it was just crazy. It was just like... For, for, obviously, I wasn't there, but... I've done a lot of research and I've seen pictures and videos and it just seems like this kind of like hippie commune utopia where just all these different people, you know, you could, you could get cheap practice or warehouse space there. And, uh, there was a dude that was in there named Hunter Jackson who was making this movie called scum dogs of the universe. And it was kind of like, uh, 
this kind of about like space barbarians that come to Earth and uh, it was a really cool movie uh, that never got made. But um, right across the hall, there was a band called Death Piggy, which was led by a guy named Dave Brocky and Dave and Hunter met and they said, why don't we combine, you know, your band with my movie <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see what happens. So, uh, Death Piggy, which was Dave's I mean, band, brilliant. yeah, it really is. They wore Hunter's costumes, and it immediately was a hit. And pretty quickly, Hunter's movie and Dave's other band, Death Piggy, got left in the dust because this thing that was born between the two of them, Guar, took off so quickly. Um, yeah, and you know, Dave brought a bunch of great musicians, and Hunter. Uh, brought a bunch of great artists and uh, and that's kind of how it happened it was this big art collective of all these musicians and artists building this really amazing thing uh, way back in the mid 80s until now still going still going strong wow so how does Al fit into Guar <laughs> and the universe of Guar and, and importantly this is Guar your documentary yeah so I'll tell you first uh, how he fits into the Guar doc, and then also how somehow I was able to <laughs> interview Weird Al for this doc. <laughs> um, so first of all, um, you know, like I said, a bunch of people have ha- have tried to do different projects with Guar, uh, and I'm surprised that there isn't one. You know, there's that show Metalocalypse on uh, on uh, Adult yeah. Swim that is basically like kind of like Guar, <laughs> you know, like yeah. if they could do it, I'm surprised Guar hasn't been able to do anything. Um, and maybe this documentary will help something like that happen. But uh, there was this pilot that got made uh, that you can find on YouTube, but it never got released. And I believe some of the people from Rick and Morty worked on this, but it was called the animated tales of Guar. And it's this cartoon, and it looks great. I, I don't know. I don't really know the story behind why it didn't get picked up. I don't know if maybe the people that did it kind of maybe Rick and Morty took off, and they didn't have any more time for it. I don't really know. But it's a cartoon, and it's it's just one episode. And like I said, you can find it on YouTube. The animated tales of Guar and Weird Al is in it. <laughs> he is in it where. Basically, Guar wants to start doing children's parties to make more money, but they can't because they're Guar. Right. So they steal Weird Al Yankovic's face <laughs> and <laughs> pretend to be him, so they can uh, they yeah, they rip his face off and and Weird Al is in it. He he voices himself, <laughs> and so because of that, we're like, man, Weird Al would be really great to interview if we could somehow do it. And then beyond that, we're like, not just because of that, but also because of the comedy element of yeah. Guar that gets overlooked. Yes, they're a heavy metal band and they're a great heavy metal band. Yes, they make these special effects and they're great special effects, but they're also really, really, really funny. And that's one thing we wanted someone who was known for being funny to do it. And also they're a musical satire, which is very similar to what Weird Al does. Musical right. satire. He also... Right has to wear all these crazy costumes. You know, he puts on a real show, not just, he's not just playing instruments. He's wears off, wears a fat suit and wears all these suits. And so we thought he could really talk a lot about Guar beyond just his involvement in the animated tales of Guar, but also talk about what it's like to make music. That's funny. And what's it like to tour and not just tour like most bands do, but to have to lug around all these props and <laughs> right, stuff. Right. Um, so that was <laughs> yeah. why we were like, man, if, if we could somehow get weird Al, 
that would be so awesome. Like that would be, that would be great. And so we were thinking about it and, and one of my producers, his name is Bill Parks. Uh, he, he also worked on the Nickelodeon uh, documentary with me. He is in LA and he is like, you know, knows people in LA. <laughs> you know, he's like an actor, producer, uh, guy out there. And he was like, well, I don't know Weird Al, but I do know Thomas Lennon. And <laughs> Thomas Lennon, he's hilarious too. You know, he's, yeah. um, he's on, you know, I knew him from the state. He's also Dangle on Reno 911. And he's like in every single movie as a little part. He's just one of the funniest guys ever. <laughs> and, uh, so we're like, he's like, I could probably send an, an email to Thomas Lennon and maybe we could interview him, you know, and, uh, he could talk about the, uh, the comedy element. Cause he's a funny guy too. And he wears costumes. And so we did, uh, the interview with Thomas Lennon. I can't, I mean, shows what a kind guy he is that he took time, um, and did our interview, you know, because Bill, you know, Bill had, had, had met him before. Right. And he loved Bill and thought Bill was a great guy. So he's like, yeah, come on over. So we did it. And, and he's hilarious. He's in the movie. He's in the movie too. You can see him, uh, in it. And he was like, Hey, is there anybody else that, that you got? He, he offered for us. He's like, is there anybody else that, that you guys would love to have in this that you haven't been able to get a hold of? He's like, you know, I know a lot of comedy people. <laughs> yeah. And immediately we knew, we knew we're like, uh, I mean, weird Al would be pretty cool. And he's like, Oh yeah, hold on. And he just texted weird Al while we were there. And he's like, Oh yeah. Al said oh, he'd cool. love to do it. He'd love to do it. We're like, Oh my God. Like wow. we got Thomas Lennon and weird Al to be in our movie. Uh, so that's how it came about. That's how we were able to interview wow. weird. Al. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, pretty surreal. So, you know, not a whole lot is out there yet of the film. I know there's a couple photos. Uh, Dave and I got to watch this trailer that, as of the recording, isn't really officially released. And when you see Weird Al, he's in front of, like, all, you know, this audio equipment. Where did you interview Al? Okay, so that's another story that's crazy. Like, <laughs> I must have done something really great in another life because, like, I I mean, we got so many cool things happened uh, with this uh, so we got it. We we're it, we've you know we're like okay we get to interview Weird Al. That's awesome. You know like where are we gonna interview him? You know it was in Los Angeles and um, Bill again the guy that uh, Bill Parks that introduced us to Thomas Lennon that then introduced us to Weird Al. He was like, well I know a friend that has a studio out there in L.A. Uh, and maybe we could do it there. And we're like, oh okay yeah like that seems. Uh, pretty cool uh a studio would be great you know because he's a musician and uh uh that sounds great he's like you know and i'm thinking yeah it's probably some you know some studio that's out in la that's you know probably a small studio it's someone bill had met at a party um and we get there and it's like a big huge like for real la studio <laughs> like it's where um the the place <laughs> where we interviewed weird al was where they recorded uh, the Beach Boys' pet sounds. Oh, wow. In oh, that wow. room. In that actual <laughs> room is where... So I was like, oh, dude, you didn't tell me. This is like... I thought it was, you know, oh, just like I know a guy that has a little studio or something. Because we thought that would be a cool background, you know, to get Weird Al at a mixing board or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, it was like it was like a real studio. Like Elvis, Elvis had recorded there. Like Frank Sinatra <laughs> had recorded there. It was like a wow. for real, like old school Hollywood um, recording studio. So when Weird Al came in, it kind of made us feel better about ourselves. We're like, hey man, this is the studio they recorded Pet Sounds in, and he's like, oh for real? Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know he he thought that we he thought that we were cool for for right. for doing that. And probably thought we were a bigger production than we actually were because <laughs> we were able to record there. But also, you know, the people at the studio they were really kind because we were bringing in Weird Al. <laughs> you know, so they were like, right. oh cool, yeah, you can just have the room, take as much time as you want, no big deal. Because you know they were probably hoping that Weird Al would you know, fall in love with the studio and want to record an album there. So that's where he was. He's at a really amazing studio out in LA. That's like this big thing. The Foo Fighters recorded one of their most recent records there. Cool. It's such a cool background too. I mean, it's just like, there's a lot to look at, you know, when you're, if you can peel your eyes off of Weird Al just for a second, there's some cool stuff to look at, but you know, (laughs) we're just looking at Al here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's hard to uh to look at anything else. Uh and he was so nice. Like you know, like like everybody, you know, I grew up in the 80s, so I was like peak Weird Al. I you know, I I've always loved Weird Al. You know, the fir- the first thing I ever saw with Weird Al was Fat uh No, uh it was Fat was one of the first things I ever saw, but it was uh man, I'm trying to remember. I don't know what the first thing I ever saw Probably Eat It, actually, now that I think about it. Eat It was the first thing I ever saw from him. Yeah. And, you know, then Fat, that that was like, oh, my God, that was like where it was at, you know. And then, you know, his his Nirvana cover, you know, I, yeah. I loved that. And uh, the Star Wars stuff that he did I thought was hilarious. Like, every step of my life, like, he was always doing fun parodies of stuff that I liked. And, you know, I lo- of course, like everybody – I loved UHF. I thought it was like one of my favorite, you know, when I saw it, I was like, this is the most amazing movie I've ever seen. And then also there's the fact that he's just a really famous person. You know, he's, he's beyond famous. He's Americana, you know, he's like another level of fame, you know? And, and so we're like, oh my gosh, like, uh, we're going to meet Weird Al. This is pretty crazy. And, uh, (laughs) uh, so I'm trying not to be nervous because, you know, that's like, like I said, what everyone always told me is don't come across as a fan. Even if you are, just be, try to be super professional. Don't geek out. <laughs> People don't like that. They'd rather. So, so uh, you know, Weird Al comes in the, into the room. And uh, it, it was just so funny. The first thing he says, hi, I'm Al. And we're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> you know? But he was just so so polite. And he, he didn't come with an entourage. You know, it's not like he had a bunch of people there. It was just him. Right. He came in. He was... He was like so nice, so professional, so awesome. Like <laughs> it was crazy, you know, to get to meet someone that you've been a fan of and then have him be like so sweet and so kind and so amazing. And uh, and then beyond that, you know, usually when people sit down, I ask him a couple of like I throw him a couple of softball questions over the course of making these two documentaries. I guess I've gotten better at interviewing people (laughs) you know like I kind of have learned the art a little bit so it's like throw people a couple of softball questions uh so they can get warmed up you know they can they can get (laughs) used to me they can get used to being on camera and that usually works usually the first question the first I'll, I'll ask someone you know tell me about you know how'd you get your start in show business you know it's something that 
you know, probably won't be used in the documentary, but it just gets them used to me and looking at my face and, and all that stuff and forget about the lights and the lapel mic tape to them. But weird Al, (laughs) I just like, Hey, you know, can you talk a little bit about the animated? And he was just like this very nice person, you know, he's like, hi, I'm Al. This is great. You know, he's like, Oh, that's cool. They recorded pet sounds here. That's awesome. You know, this sound, this movie sounds really neat. Okay, great. You know, he's just a very even tempered, sweet man. And I was like, so tell us about the animated tales of Guar. It's like, okay, so the animated tales of Guar. It's a tale of Guar who they want, you know, and it was just like immediately he was that guy, you know, he he went from zero to 11 in a, in one second. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, like this guy does not need a softball. Someone needs to throw me a softball to, so I can catch up with this guy. And you know, when I'm interviewing people, I'm always looking for a sound bite that I know it can use. I'm like, like, oh, I need I need them to sometimes like, hey, can you can you answer that again? But, you know, try to, you know, I'll be like, do that a little cleaner. You know, I'd be like, say that again, but maybe get to the point of it a little faster. Um, and, and it was like every single thing that was coming out of his mouth was just gold. I was like, I can use that. And he says, no, I can use that. I can use that. I can use that. You know, and, and he has this line where he's like, I don't I don't understand why people think, you know, having fun and being funny and rocking can't go together. And he's like, I, I certainly feel they can. And it was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. You know, uh, it was like every, you know, he's like, if you're going to put on a show, put on a show, you know? And it's just like, everything he said was so awesome. Uh, and he came in and I mean, we were there for like 35 minutes, which is pretty short for, you know, most of the, you know, I usually interview people for an hour or so, Yeah, but it was like everything we needed was there and uh, some of the guys that were uh, like our producers that were there, there wasn't a lot of people. We always we try to keep a really lean crew. And this was also before COVID when we interviewed him, too. So that wasn't something we were thinking about. Okay. But even then, we you know, we run with a lean crew, three or four people. So it was me, our director of photography, a cameraman, and then our two producers were there. Um, and uh, they videotaped me. <laughs> while I was interviewing with their phones okay. uh, while I was interviewing weird Al and uh, you know, keep in mind, like I said, the whole time I'm like, be cool, be cool. man. Like, him like he's anybody, he's, he's anybody else. He's anybody that you, he's just a regular guy. Don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. And I thought I was doing that. I really did. I really thought in my head, I was like, yeah, that's great. Uh, can you talk more about how, um, you know, comedy and music can go together, you know, and I, that's what in my head, that's how I'm acting. And immediately after I, I finished the interview, my producer's like, Hey man, I know that we were filming weird Al, but he's like, I think I got the best footage of all. And he, he showed me and he had been recording me the whole time. And I've just got this stupid grin. Like it was like smiling from <laughs> ear to ear the whole time. And I did not realize I was doing that. And I was like, what do you guys expect, man? That's, that's weird Al, you know, like that's weird Al. And they're like, yeah, but even when he was saying something that wasn't funny, you were still like smiling and laughing. I was like, whatever guys, I don't care. Like I got to talk to weird Al. That's I can die now. Um, so yeah, it was an amazing, he's hilarious. I, I love it too. Whenever people that are funny on TV, you know, you never know if is someone funny or do they just have good writers? You know, I feel like so many people, are like probably not funny that you see they just have good writers right, you know and, right and and uh sure yeah so when i get to meet someone that's known for being funny and i'm like oh my god that guy actually is hilarious like that guy is really funny he doesn't need writers like 
it gives me a good feeling because I'm like, you deserve it. You deserve all your fame. <laughs> and that's how I felt about Weird Al. Like, you're really nice and you're really talented. You're super nice and you're super talented. So I'm glad that you're really rich and famous. And Thomas Lennon was the same way. Like the whole time, it was just like zinger, 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 zinger. Like funny, funny, funny the whole time. Um, so both of those guys were yeah. were awesome, and I'm so lucky to have gotten to met, meet them. And I can't wait for people to see them in the movie because they're really funny. Oh, I can't wait! <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be so awesome. So I'm curious when you're setting up this conversation with Weird Al. Obviously, he knows he's coming in and he's going to talk about Guar. But do you prep him ahead of time that these are what this is what I want to talk about? I want to talk about the animated tales of Guar and everything. So he he comes into this interview with a rough idea of what you're going to ask him. Yeah, we did when we um, were talking to uh, his people. Uh, they had requested like you know just so he kind of because you know he's. A lot of the people that we interviewed aren't necessarily hardcore Guar heads, you know. Um, like Weird Al, you know, I mean, he's a he's a really intelligent guy, but, you know, it's not like he's the Guar historian, you know. Insane. <laughs> you know, we interview Ethan Embry. You know, Ethan Embry played the guy that they eat, Mark, that they eat in Empire Records. And, you know, so a lot of people are like, well, what are you going to ask me about? You know, so th- th- so they can kind of be ready. So, yeah, he, he asked for the questions in advance and we were more than happy to uh, to get him to him. So that I'm sure that helped him, you know, prepare. And, 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 and again, to his credit, you could tell that he did prepare. You know, he he looked at those questions and and gave us the respect our small little shoestring budget <laughs> documentary. He gave us the respect of preparing for those questions quite well. So, I mean, what a guy, you know, what a guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked to a lot of people who have worked with Al and, and that that's part with the course. Al is just the greatest. Golly. He really was. I mean, he was the greatest. I mean, and that goes to show like, you know, people that he treated me the same way he would have treated like, E entertainment or you know entertainment tonight or something you know mm. and that's that's pretty rare you know someone that's going to give some dude who's only made one film and you know has this small skeleton crew the same as like a big Hollywood production uh yeah he was so kind and so nice and uh yeah I mean he gave us gold you know he really did uh <laughs> And uh, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful for that. I mean, that's one thing I always say. These documentaries, you don't make a bunch of money, so you have to consider all the memories that you make Hmm. and all the crazy stuff that you get to do that a lot of other people don't get to do. You have to kind of consider that your payment. You know, yes, I'm not going to make a bunch of money, but I got to meet Alex Winter, who's, you know, Bill from Bill and Ted, who also directed, uh, you know, some of my favorite movies. Uh, And then... um, He's a great documentarian, by the way, too. He did uh, The Dark Web, and he did uh, a Zappa doc. I mean, he's so talented. Um, Alex Winter, Ethan Embry, uh, Weird Al Yankovic, Adam Adam Green, you know, who who directed Hatchet and Holliston. Uh, just all these, like, really high-profile people. You yeah. Know? Like, I got to hang out with them for, for 45 minutes. I was having a conversation <laughs> with them. That's and the so Guar cool. guys, too, you know? Yeah. To get to talk to somebody that's as interesting as Guar. Um, you know, and to get to be at their concerts right there in the front, you know, when no one else gets to is such an experience. So even if I don't make a lot of money, the fact that I'll get to keep that with me for the rest of my life is like, you know, 
kind of a weird payment, an awesome payment that is in a lot of ways better than money. Well, so your front row at a Guar show, are you just were you just covered in stuff, or did they purposely not squirt oh, you? Yeah. You're just <laughs> oh yeah. The 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 first time I wanted to get sprayed, like I was going into it because I thought that would look so cool on the camera. You know, to, to, to get it just splash right into the camera. <laughs> um, so the first couple of shows, and then they were like, hey, hey, like, hey, man, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I saw you there. I was trying to miss you. And I was like, oh, well, thanks for trying, you know, but like, you don't have to. <laughs> and then by the end, after about four or five, I was like, okay, I'm not going to try. If I get spewed, I'll get spewed, but I'm not going to try anymore. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, at the beginning, I was, I was trying to get, like, I just, you know, that, you know what I'm talking about, like that shot where just like, blood is just squirting right at the camera i was like that'll look so cool in the movie and for the trailer um and then yeah after a while i was like i don't necessarily need that anymore um, yeah because we we filmed four or five concerts and we we tried which was a huge mistake to keep up with guar like i wanted to film four or five shows in a row um and those guys are the hardest working people like I've ever met. I mean, they're just, especially in show business, they get to the venue at 10 a.m. Wow. And they start setting up. Because first, they have to put carpet all over. Yeah, they have to put carpet all over the stage. They have to put, um, like, um, what would you call it? Like, plastic over all the monitors and the speakers. And then they have to set up their whole show. You know, that's one thing that's different about them than, like, a horror film or even a play is, you know, with a play, you set up everything and then it's just there, you know, but they have to break everything down, go to a new city and right, set it up right. every single day. And they tour for three months. And they probably have to clean everything because it's covered in blood and guts. and Yeah, totally. <laughs> and the only and I mean, the the. I mean, that's insane that they do that, but they're such hardworking people. So basically what they do is, you know, they get there at 10 a.m. They wrap up probably at one. So then they immediately get wow. on the bus. They they they're, they have a bus driver who drives them from town to town. They have to immediately get on the bus and then just try to sleep for a few hours because sometimes, you know, the next town is three or four hours away. So they sleep on their bus. Well, we didn't have a bus, so we would have to at one o'clock, we would have to come we would have to, you know, pack all of our video equipment up, drive to the next town and then sleep in a hotel. You know, we didn't have a bus or anything like that. Right. Uh, and keeping up with those guys was nuts. So a lot of times, you know, we'd wrap up and then I'd go to check in at my hotel covered in blood and, uh, people would turn me away. They're like, um, uh, we don't see your reservation. I was like, I've reserved it. It's Scott, but it's in there. And they're like, yeah, uh, something must have happened. Sorry. So then I learned, like, the way we would film it is I would be up front, and then we would have our director of photography, Jacob Halinga, who is so talented. He would be in the very back with a zoom lens. Uh, so he, we were like, eh, how about from now on you go check us into the hotel? <laughs> because I just didn't have time. You know, it wasn't until I got to the hotel that then I could take a shower and clean myself. So, yeah, we learned pretty quick, like, don't try to – check into a hotel whenever you're covered in blood also it's like two o'clock in the morning (laughs) that's not a good look that's what you should have filmed you should have filmed that stuff too it could be like a a side documentary just like trying to 
live as someone following Guar around. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, we totally should have filmed that. That would have made a really fun, like, bonus feature. Us getting turned away from from hotels. Like, yeah, guys, no. Well, speaking of bonus features, I think we need the footage of you smiling at Weird Al as a, uh, a Blu-ray feature. Oh, yeah. I know, right? I know. They were trying to make fun of me, and I was like... I don't care. Yeah, like, yeah. I was having the time of my life. Like, I was talking to Weird Al. Like, what am I going to do in my life that compares to that? Like, come on, man. Like, they're like, look at you, man. You're, you're grinning like a dummy. And I'm like, hell yeah, I was. I'm not even embarrassed at all. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a great experience. It, it was it was so fun. And, and making this documentary has been really uh, an honor and a pleasure, you know, that these guys – chose me you know to get to, to yeah i'm sure that's got to be a weird thing if someone's like i want to make a doc i want to tell the story of your life <laughs> you know i'm sure that the the level of trust that takes for someone to go okay yeah you can make a documentary about my life <laughs> right pretty crazy so you're spending all this time at least uh, at least 12 13 hours a day with guar and uh, so you got to see them not only on stage, but I imagine you got to see them off stage. What are the characters of Guar like off stage when they're not in character? Um, really cool. And that was one thing that I thought was awesome is, you know, it's just like an actor, you know, like, okay, I'm trying like that guy that played Joffrey on uh, on Game of Thrones. You know, he talks about how people always be like, screw you, Joffrey, you know, and <laughs> it's like that show that shows you how good of an actor he was that, you know, he's a really nice guy. But it's like, no, no, that's a character I play. I'm not actually a horrible person. Right. <laughs> um, so it was really cool to get to know the uh I, I got to know the Guar characters, you know, the barbarians from outer space. I got to know those characters more and they all have their own personality. And then I got to know the people behind them. And a lot, sometimes they were similar and sometimes they were very different, you know, cause it is mm-hmm. it's just a character huh. that they play. Um, and the thing that I thought was really cool is they're all different. They're all such different people. They're all over the place with their personality and it, and it makes it even more interesting you know, Michael Dirks, who is the longest running member of Guar, um, he's, I mean, over 30 years he's been in that band, and he plays Ballsack the Jaws of Death, which is kind of one of the most easily recognizable uh, Guar characters. You know, he's got the big bear yeah. trap for a head. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's just such a, I mean, you know, he plays Ballsack the Jaws of Death, um, and he's just such a sweet, sweet, like, He's a very kind, soft-spoken, really, his, the the way that he talks almost is like poetry in a way. Like, he's just a very, you could tell everything he says, he doesn't say a lot, and he says it really quietly, but everything he says is really well thought out. Hmm. Um, Just a Hmm. really, really sweet, sensitive guy. Um, And then, you know, uh, Michael Bishop, who is the current singer of Guar, uh, uh, the berserker Blothar is his character. He's got a PhD, you know, <laughs> he's like just a very oh, wow. intelligent guy. Um, talking to him was great because he didn't romanticize things. He didn't, you know, he just was to- told more like a scientist. This happened and then this happened and this happened. He did. And he didn't, you know, look at the, he doesn't look at the past with rose colored glasses. He doesn't romanticize things. He tells it pretty much just like it is. Um, and then, you know, the two guys that I probably knew the best were Bob Gorman and Matt McGuire. And they're the two artists 
Okay. That, that you know, Guar used to be this huge. You know, it used to be almost 50-50. Like, there were as many artists as there were musicians. And now, really, it's just Bob and Matt. Uh, and they were young guys that came in as just, like, assistants and interns that kind of just did the dirty work no one else wanted to do. And now they are the main guys, which I think is really a cool story that we tell, that evolution in the film. But, uh, you know, I know them real well, and uh, they're awesome guys. They're just cool guys, like... I would geek out about comic books with them and stuff like that there because they're more on the art side. So they're really influenced by Jack Kirby and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that, you know, um, Road Warrior, stuff like that. And so we would geek out about sci-fi and comic books a lot. Like every time I would go, I would end up talking to Matt about what was our favorite run of X-Men or what was our favorite run of Fantastic Four because I'm a huge comic book dork. Um and yeah, they're just all over the place, and and the majority of them aren't anything like their characters at all. Uh, and then some of them kind of are, you know. Some of them are a little. You can tell like they're <laughs> some of the guys. Their character is like a exaggerated version of themselves, you know, just turning their personality up to eleven. Uh, yeah. But they're all fascinating people. Like honestly, you could make a documentary about any of the guys in Guar. Wow. And girls, like you could make a documentary about any wow. of them. They're fascinating people. Uh, and our documentary, you know, is a little bit longer than a lot of documentaries and just making it as short as it is, was a real challenge. How long is it? It's, it's a little under two hours. Okay. It's about 150 minutes, which isn't crazy, but it's also, you know, the, the, the sweet spot people always tell you is 90 minutes, you know, and ours is more like 110 minutes. Okay. But you know, I mean, it's 30 years. They make three movies. Yeah. There's also all there's people that die. There's people that OD. There's people that get shot. There's all this yeah. stuff that happens in the <laughs> movie that you know, and you, we've we've got twice as many people as most documentaries do, you know, because we've got the band and then we've also got the artist. So, you know, it's just kind of like when we tried to shorten it, it actually felt longer because you don't really when you don't know who the people are and you don't really care about them, you're like, who's this guy? You know, you had to, we have to make you care about all these people hmm. so that when they experience highs and lows, you're you're experiencing it with them. So, uh, yeah, 110 minutes was is as short as we could get it down. We just wow. couldn't find a way to get it shorter than that. <laughs> so I understand not only do you talk to the current members of Guar, you talk to as many of the past living members that you could track down as well and i'm just curious you know this is a band that's got a lot of controversy and history behind it was there any resistance you know on their part or anyone who would just refuse to participate from the past members uh there was a little yeah for sure um i think the fact that i was not a member of guar and i'm not the the movie is not made by guar it's made by us yeah. with Guar's cooperation. And I always think those documentaries are better, you know, whenever it's made, you've got to have somebody on the outside making your doc. Whenever right. people, you know, whenever I see like a documentary about someone and then that person is like the executive producer or the director, I'm always like, okay, how real is this? You know? Right. So the fact that I wasn't a member of Guar and I'm not associated and I'm not, partial to any member i'm not loyal to any person over the other helped me a lot um yeah so to answer your question less than i thought i would have like i thought that i would have real oppositions because there are some people that things did not end well you know at all uh and uh i thought i would have some opposition there but it's like 
people are like, nah, I want to, you know, and that's another thing that I, that I said from the very beginning is I want to, there is no Kurt Cobain of Guar. You know, what Kurt Cobain was to Nirvana, there isn't that in Guar. You know, the, Dave Brockie is like one of the greatest frontmen of all time. He's a genius. He, 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 there's, you're, you're not going to meet someone and very few people meet somebody like him in their life, but he is not Guar. Hmm. He's, you know, the, this, it's a collective. All yeah. of those people are Guar. If one person, it's like Jenga. If you had taken any of these people out, it wouldn't be what it is. And so I think a lot of people liked that approach that it's like, it's we're not, I'm not focusing on any person more than the other. I'm, I'm showing that this is a true collective. Right. Every person mattered. Yeah. Some people might've been a bigger block in the Jenga than others, but they're all <laughs> a block of it. And it, right. and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked without them. So yeah, I think that the fact that I was not, not Guar and I, I'm not affiliated with Guar helped me a lot because yeah. there were a lot of people that, mm. that wouldn't, that don't talk to each other anymore. Uh, that they wouldn't have talked to a member of Guar, even you know that, mm. but they did talk to me because right. I'm not there. And it was it was pretty awesome to to get to uh, to see. There's some cool stuff that happens in the doc that I don't want to spoil, but you see some right. stuff with that. You see some you see some relationships change while we were making it, which is I think awesome. When stuff that's like whenever you're like, oh, this is. This feels like real documentary filmmaking. You know, I'm not just interviewing people. Like I'm actually seeing this shape of things change and people's relationship changing, people getting over things and, and their views changing and doing things they swore they never would. So it's pretty cool. It was a it was, it was an awesome experience. So yeah, there was a lot of controversy and there was, uh, but I think that these guys, they're all a little bit older, you know, and I think they're all in an experience of, they're at a, a a point in their life where they're healing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from a lot of things in the past. Right. And, uh, to get to see that healing kind of happen r- in real time was um, pretty amazing. I did see Guar one time when I uh, like it was in college and it was amazing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now I want to see him again after talking to you. <laughs> you have to. It's so much fun. They're better than ever, you know, um, there's a lot of people that, you know, oh, there's no Guar without Dave Brocky. And to that, I just say, well, go check them out. That's why I'm so glad you said that, because I heard the guy from Guar died and I just like I was like, OK, I guess I can't see Guar anymore. I I guess I wasn't following. I didn't really understand it. So I'm really now hearing you talk about them. I want to see him again. Yeah, it's great. The performance is are amazing. It's still awesome, you know. And w- one analogy that people use is like Guar is kind of like Saturday Night Live. <laughs> you know, there's always a rotating cast. Oh, that's and cool. Dave Brocky is Dave Brocky is kind of like the Bill Murray. You know, he's the greatest person that's ever been on there. But you know, there were other people that are really awesome too. You know, the Dana Carvey. I mean, Dana Carvey, Chris Farley. Come on, man, those guys are great too. And Mike, you know, Michael Bishop, who's their singer now. He was their original bass player. Oh, so okay. how fortunate! So he kind of gave him the street cred, you know, because everyone's like, "Oh, who's going to follow up Dave Brocky?" You know, and if they had just found some new young guy, I don't think fans would have been into it. But this guy was—he's been on—he was on the very first Guar record, "Hello." He's been there for, since not day one, but pretty close to day one. Hmm. And uh, you know, he left Guar in the '90s, and he kind of came back and he's their singer now. And he, even when he was the bass player, he would usually sing a song or two on all the records. 
Because, you know, Guar, Dave Brocky was their lead singer, but other people would sing, you know, Slyminster Hyman or The Sexecutioner or Techno Destructo. They would sing songs too. And Michael Bishop, God, I tell you, he's got a crazy voice. Like, it's worth it. He, crazy live show aside, <laughs> that guy's got a voice that's like so crazy. You know, it's so high. It's so... Uh, he's he's just really good. And so how fortunate they were to have him, you know, to go, we've got this guy where it doesn't seem disrespectful to Dave's legacy because he was Dave's friend. He was Dave's right-hand man. He mm. was there with Dave at the pretty much the, ver- the very beginning of their, of putting out albums. Um, so he made sense, but he also made sense in that he's just a really good singer <laughs> too. So yeah, uh, that's yeah, cool. he's, I mean, you just got to go see him. You yeah. got to go see him with with Blothar. It's crazy. He's just this big, huge, hulking, <laughs> huge, just menacing character right in the middle of the stage. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I definitely want to go <laughs> again. <Cool. laughs> That's so fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Scott, how do we see this? Is there plans for it to come out? Is you know, I know that it recently premiered in Austin, Texas, at Fantastic Fest. How can people who don't live in Austin, like Dave and I, see This Is Guar? We're doing an online festival that's in early October oh. called Nightstream. And you can, if you just Google Nightstream, you can find it. Uh, and it's going to be online where people can buy tickets. And it's basically three or four festivals that are all hurting because the COVID pandemic is still happening. So festivals are all kind of hurting. Yeah. Um, mm. And so they said, let's get together and do an online. Fe-. It's like kind of a, an amalgamation of three or four festivals that are all coming together and doing an online festival. Um, and you can watch it there. So very cool. if you want to watch it soon, get on Nightstream and you can watch it there. Like it's coming in October. I, I don't have the date yet um, that it's going to be on Nightstream. Mm-hmm. We just kind of agreed to do it and just started talking to them. But just just follow Nightstream or, or go to their website and you can do that. And then as far as a mass release, um, we're talking to a couple of different platforms right now and nothing is really set in stone yet. Um, but it's some pretty cool places that I'm a fan of are interested in putting it out. And Very cool. I hope that it comes through. Um, Guar is on tour until the end of the year right now. Like I said, their work ethic is crazy. They're from October, November, December. They're touring basically until the end of the year. Wow! So we want to do a th- we want to do a theatrical release and really release the film when they're not doing anything else because we want them to be a big part of it, you know, and mm-hmm. possibly do you know a theatrical release with them there, you know, doing a Q and A or doing something in costume. Um, so that'll happen early next year. But oh, yeah, if you cool. want to see it now, please check out yeah check out Nightstream or follow us. You know we're on Facebook and Instagram. If you just look up This Is Guar, uh, you can follow us there so that you're whenever we do release it, you can see when that's going to happen because right. we're going to start posting uh, as we find more stuff. We're going to post it there. So follow Nightstream <laughs> and follow This Is Guar <laughs> if you're interested in this thing and want to see it. Awesome. Well, Dave and I definitely want to see it. And I, I am so excited to also check out your other documentary that you talked about briefly, The Orange Years, which I believe is streaming on Hulu. And it's also available, you know, every, everywhere to rent, to, to buy. So 
Uh, I'm really excited to look at that because I was definitely a Nickelodeon guy as a kid. We are so excited to hear all about This Is Guar. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. And, and like I said, Dave and I will be the first people to watch it. We cannot wait. Great. Yeah, well, thanks for reaching out. This is uh, this has been really fun. I like to get to talk about different aspects of the film. Uh, you know, like this uh, has been really great. So I appreciate you reaching out to me. And uh, this has been a blast. I cannot wait to see This Is Guar. So join us in following Nightstream for updates on when the film will be available. Head over to nightstream.org or at nightstreamfest on Instagram and Twitter. You know, when Scott was talking about how exhausting it is to be out on the road following Guar night after night, that reminded me a lot of tour chasing after Al. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Well, I guess the main difference between us is that when you and I go back to the hotel after the concert, we're not usually covered in fake blood. Yeah, good point. I was wondering, Ethan, if Guar were to cover a Weird Al song, what would be your choice? I think the most fun would be Nature Trail to Hell, because there's plenty of opportunities for blood and guts to squirt out. They can squirt cheese whiz on the audience. I think that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds absolutely wonderful. Speaking of, Dave, did you ever want to cover yourself in chewed up bubblegum and roll around in the dirt? No, not really. Did you ever get the sensation that you wanted to ghost direct a shot for shot remake of an 1832 musical number by Busby Berkeley in an Olympic sized pool full of lychee bubble tea? An 1832 musical? No, I can't say that's crossed my mind. What about weaving a cape of cruciferous vegetables and parasailing off the Gateway Arch in St. Louis during the halftime of the Settlers of Catan World Championships? Actually, that one, that one's a yes, but I already did it last Thursday. Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, then you'll love Waiting for Lunch Radio. Hosts Joe and Stashu serve up a free-form musical mixtape salad that will have you saying boy i certainly find it enjoyable to listen to this program here waiting for lunch radio on mixcloud and find it at waitingforlunch.com and also this week's episode is brought to you in part by discover darwin promoting tourism in darwin minnesota not only is historic darwin minnesota uh, beautiful. It's also jamming gears and hauling freight. Darwin, Minnesota is home to Trained Monkey Truckin'. Trained Monkey Truckin' transports fresh produce, general freight, metal sheet, motor vehicles, lumber, and building materials, among huh, at least 1,832 other items. Wow, they do all of that? Do they also transport brink and stone walls? Well, I don't not not see either brink or stone walls on the list of 1,832 items and materials they transport. Wow, that's a triple negative. It's like, it's up to you to decide, you know? So whenever you've got a load to carry, train monkey trucking will get those 18 wheels a rolling until the break of dawn. So hire trained monkey trucking and you'll never be late for your appointment down at the hair salon. Visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. 
Each week, we're able to bring you our podcast absolutely free thanks to our sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, David Granite, Wolfandwool.com, Joe and Stashu from Waiting for Lunch Radio, and Angel Valenzuela and David Cash. And thanks to our amazing close personal friend, Patreon supporters, Zeb, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, Kenneth, Jared, Jake, Javier, and UH Jeff. And thanks to Summer and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch or by picking up some pretty stinking majestic official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise at shop.2000inch.com. You can check out our new line of Discover Darwin products, or you can be like Chad Kelson, a.k.a. Metal Al, and pick up a Gill and Chill t-shirt. Head on over to shop.2000inch.com. Grab your copies of Black and White and Weird All Over and check out our special book series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through the book page by page and picture by picture. You can check out the first seven episodes now or you can head on over to Patreon and check out the first eight episodes because our Patreon supporters always get to hear all bonus episodes early. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans. Join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al or more by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. You might even hear your message on a future episode. For everything about our podcast, including incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com and keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving awesome reviews on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. If you want a quick and easy way to listen to the podcast, just say, hey, Alexa, play Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Thank you once again to our guest, Scott Barber. Also, thanks to Disequilibrium, Owen Watson, UH Jeff Nucera, Jason McDonald, Mike Minnick, Chad Kelson, a.k.a. Metal Al, and Amanda Cohen. Thank you to Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for listening to Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. And always remember to gill and chill. Hey, Dave. Next week is episode 127-inch. Yeah. And... And that's a very important Weird Al number, Dave. 127. 127. No, sorry, don't get it. Dave, think harder. 127. Oh, 127. I get it now, because it's 1,832 less than the year Weird Al was born. Well, duh. Well, everyone knows what my birth year is, but Ethan, when's your birth year? 
Well, my agent very specifically said not to tell anyone my real birth year, Dave. Really? Why would that be? Well, they said if the truth gets out, I can kiss those sweet, sweet, bearded, balding, high school age acting roles goodbye. That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 126-inch. The podcast about Weird Al for Weird Al. And I've just got this stupid grin. Like, it was like smiling from ear to ear the whole time. And I did not realize I was doing that. And I was like, what do you guys expect, man? That's it's Weird Al. Cool. <laughs>